0: Well, Hello, everybody. I'm Sally Wagner, and welcome to the High Frequency Mindset Podcast. I'm so happy you're joining us today, and I can't wait to introduce you to my guest, Connie Whitman. Connie, I'm so happy you're here, and I'm so happy to tell everyone about you. Uh, Connie is known for her high-energy, passionate, heart-centered, and enthusiastic approach to sales, teaching, and coaching. She has been the CEO of Changing the Sales Game for 20-plus years, helping ambitious business owners, leaders, and sales teams build powerhouse organizations. A three-time number one international best-selling author of her book, ESP, I love the title, Easy Sales Process, Seven Steps to Sales Success, speaker and podcast host, Connie's inspiring teaching transformational tools and content, ensure that business owners and salespeople grow their revenue streams through enhanced communication skills. As a podcast host, she is thrilled to share inspiring content on her two weekly international podcasts, The Heart-Centered Sales Leader and
1: Enlightenment of Change. Connie, welcome. Thank you, Sal. I'm so excited to be here. And it's funny, whenever somebody reads my bio, I think, who is that? (laughs) Which is always kind of a cool experience, right? Yeah, it is. It is very much.
0: So today you're going to be talking with us about eliminating buyer's resistance. And we're all business people, right? In one way or another, whether we own our own businesses or we're working in a business, sales is involved. We're always selling and we meet resistance, right? I love this topic. It is so timely because we're all looking at our sales goals for next year. So my first question to
1: you is what is buyer's resistance and where
0: does it come from?
1: Yeah, such a great question and a good start point. So here's the deal. We have two conversations going on all the time and not just our sales conversations or our client conversations. This is at home, family friends. We have two conversations. One is very conscious. You and I are having a very conscious conversation, right? We're on Zoom, we can see each other even the people listening it's audio only. So I'm using English, you're talking back to me in English, right? You read my bio, I can hear it. All of that is a very conscious conversation. Well, that's the tip of the iceberg, literally. That's probably the top 10%. 80 to 90%, I'll say, of our conversations are in the unconscious or the subconscious realm. And all that means is we as communicators need to understand, most people don't even know this is happening. Not only do we need to understand that the subconscious conversation is always going on, we need to learn how to get in control of it. And that's why understanding that as buyers, we as buyers, your clients as buyers, your prospect as buyers, no matter what your job is, even if you have a career, some people right, work for corporations. A lot of my clients are corporate clients. They still have to sell their idea to whoever their supervisor or boss is, um, especially if they're doing some strategic thinking or putting together a strategic plan or putting together their goals. What are their goals for next year's budget? All of those things. What is your idea? You have to communicate it and sell it. And immediately, humans, we put up barriers. Like Wonder Woman had the cuffs, right? It's... I just did visuals with my hands, uh, listeners on the podcast. So, But that's the idea. So humans, we are taught to resist because we've all had a bad experience. So I'm sure that you've bought something, a program, a TV, don't care. You've bought something and you think, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. You feel then you get at the end of that thinking, well, I was duped, I was ripped off. Ugh, that person was so good. And I I cringe when people say they were a good salesperson. No, no, no. Let's get something straight. That's not being good at sales, that's being good at a con artist. Okay. And unfortunately, shows or movies like Wolf of Wall Street, Glengarry, Glenn Ross, which is from I think the 80s, um, yeah. it was an insurance company, right? So yeah. Um, And now our newest one, uh, De Niro, is in Madoff, right? He wasn't even licensed. It was all a pyramid scheme. And people say they were so good at sales. They weren't. They were all con artists. They ripped people off and they did it on purpose. So every time now humans, we get into a conversation, we're sitting there saying, where's the pitch? Where's the pitch? what's my excuse going to be? I don't know that I'm ready to buy. Do I trust this person? And all of that is happening subconsciously. So think about that. And what I've, again, I've been doing this, Sal, for 39 years. So I see things that, I'm going to say most salespeople, business owners, coaches, corporate, even my corporate clients. Most people don't see what I see just because I've been doing it so long. So things jump, just jump off the page at me. So what I've learned right now that I'm doing more digital than just corporate is how do you articulate and teach that? And now I've realized that we each have five layers of buyer's resistance, and and I'll go through each. We can we'll ha- we'll have a conversation. Um, Sal, because I know you're going to have more questions for me, but those five layers, you can't go from one to five and skip two, three, and four. You've lost the sale. Your boss isn't going to listen to your idea because subconsciously we're all all thinking to ourselves, my idea is better. They don't know, should I trust them? So we have, we're having our own talk in our brain. So if we don't logically break down all five in the order that I'm going to give you today, you've lost the sale your boss isn't going to buy in. You're shooting yourself in the foot. So here's the other thing, Sal. Most people don't understand that there's this subconscious conversation. So they're blind spots. So we're shooting ourselves in the foot all the time. So hopefully today's tips and ideas through our conversation will, people have an aha moment, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about the subconscious part it plays such a huge role and that's the the kind of the realm where I work with coaching and life alchemy and mindset. That's where it all takes place. And our subconscious mind is a million times more powerful than our conscious mind. So of course, it's going to be running all these scripts in the background.
1: makes perfect sense. Yeah. And we've all been had, I mean, everybody listening, you could probably list 10 times where you bought something and you think, well, I got ripped off. That would be, I've gotten ripped off. I've been had, boy, was I, was I stupid to buy that, right? What was I thinking? Mm. All of those things are triggers that you, you fell into The, 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 the five layers of buyer's resistance. That's why, and, and depending how badly we've been burned, those layers could be really, really intense. So that's another thing. Be mindful with your clients and prospects. How many times have they been burned? You might be coming in after they were ripped off for thousands of dollars, which you know just makes me sick to my stomach personally. Right. Absolutely. It's,
0: there are so many people who take advantage and, and, you know, it gives sales such a bad name. I have a lot of real estate agents and I've heard people kind of jokingly, not jokingly say, you know, I'm going to keep on these people until they sign or die, or there's a TRO against me, you know, it's like. Really? Uh, and, and yet, that's the image that a lot of people have of that aggressive person who's like, okay, you're going to sign or, you, you know, you're just going to have to get a restraining order against me. I'm going to keep at you until you tell me yes. And that's where uh, maybe some of that subconscious okay great,
1: great example. And I'll give you a real quick story. When I was working in corporate, I worked for uh, a bank. My background is financial sales uh, for my first 20 years. And then I've been in business 20. Well, that first 20 years I started out selling insurance. So I had my series seven license and all of my insurance licenses. And then banking in the late eighties, early nineties, got into alternate investments, mutual funds, annuities. And I stepped into banking and I loved the industry. I felt like, oh, this is where I belong. This is my home. These are my people. Cause they're just, bankers are lovely. So I started selling. And I remember one of the mortgage reps, I I would use the manager's office to speak with the client about their investments. And this one, uh, he was a mortgage rep for our territory, right? Our region. And as he was leaving, as I was coming in, there was a young couple leaving the, the branch, the office. And I hear him saying to the manager, cha-ching, I banged another one. I knew, exact- I knew exactly who he was talking. I'm just walking in. So I walk in, I, you know, I basically threw him out of the office because my client was coming in. And after my client meeting, I the manager had become a good friend of mine. And I said to her, why do you refer to him? She goes, well, I have to. That's who they're telling me to. I said, he's disgusting. I said, I heard as I was coming in, cha-ching, I banged another one. I said, you know me, I'm sales. And I said, and I ne- I'm always in integrity. He is a disgusting human. I go, he's in my, my territory too. And I told my boss. I get a mortgage referral. I'm happy to refer back to the bank. I love giving referrals, but I gave it to a young lady who was in another region. I said, I'm never referring to that clown. He's a moron. and It is my reputation. And I said to her, it's your reputation. She's like, oh, can I do that? I'd say, i talk to your regional. If you don't ask, they're going to tell you, you, you don't yeah. know any better, but do you really want to give that guy business? He was disgusting.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Terrible. I, I love, yeah. So, um,
0: Tell us about the five layers of resistance.
1: Okay, so the first layer is time. And I and this goes down to preparation, everybody. So if you are not, I think oftentimes we think, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go in and I'm going to wing it. Shame on you, right out of the gate. So not only do we have to be, have time management skill, organizational skills. So each of these is a lot of sub skills going on. But the first one you walk in, especially if it's a prospect, you're on the clock. So, you know, my kids play hockey, uh, Sal. They were both goalies, as a matter of fact. And my one son played in college, but, you know, they'd get on the ice. And if they didn't warm up in the locker room and they got on and they were stiff, oh, too bad. When that puck went down, you're on the clock, right? At the end of the game, um, if their team didn't play well, you can't say, can we have extra time? Because we want to win. We think we can win. Same thing with your clients. So you want to be mindful and you want to let them know that I promise I will, if you have a 15 minute call, meeting, whatever, 30 minute, an hour, two hours, whatever it is, you need to stay to that time allotment. So what happens with most people is if the client seems engaged and we're at that one hour mark, let's say most of my clients, I do hour calls. We're at that hour mark and they seem engaged. I will say our hour is up. I've allotted extra time in my cal- my schedule but I know and I'm mindful of I'm mindful of your time. If you want to remain on the call with me, I certainly can accommodate that. If you can't right here right now, right I have them I have them and they're engaged. Let's schedule another meeting for t- let's look at our calendars right now and schedule it. So at that hour mark, I give them a little bit before if I have to reschedule. I say we have 5 minutes left. Do you have time? Do we need to reschedule? They are appreciative and 90% of the time they will say, oh no, I have time, but do you have, and now they're like, do okay. you have time? So they reciprocate the level of respect, which is really important because the second layer is trust and building rapport. So I have, and Sally has, has taken it, I have a free communication style assessment, which means, and this is important there's five behavioral styles. Again, I've been doing this a long time. I'm certified in a few different, and I I didn't like some of the models. So I create. Sally knows me. I'm an overachiever. I created my own, but there's five styles. So what that means is 20% of the time, two out of 10 people, you're talking to people just like you, and you could go, you don't have to think about it. They get you. Well, the flip side to that is 80% or eight out of 10 people do not communicate like you. So oftentimes we think, oh yeah, they like me. I'm good. I'm trustworthy. You know, they know my background and I'm intelligent. And you start to go to the next step, right? Which is the questioning and exploring really, really what's their situation. But if you don't build that trust and it it needs to happen within 30 seconds, and everybody goes, 30 seconds. It's a skill. It's un- easy to understand, right? Eight out of 10 people don't communicate like me, but it's practice. And trust me, people drop the ball right here. You've lost the sale. <laughs> so I want 100% close ratio, not a 20% close ratio personally. But that's why you hear people have 20% close ratios or where people sign up because you're missing it right, right at the second step. Now, the third one, and it, it stop me if you have a question, Sal. You're all good. Cool. Okay. So the third one is that exploration, where now I get to dig in and really, really understand the client. So again, remember preparation. So you should have your questions, your your questions that you know generate the information from the client over and over and over again so i've been using the same questions there's eight questions i have an agenda it's in my word document on my computer i change the client's name and the date i print it off or i send it to them I'm ready to go. No more thought than that, right? I'm so organized, but because I know the questions to ask, yes. so this is the other problem that that happens. And we ask questions. Either the questions are off, they're closed-ended. Um, the, the flow of the questions are disjointed. So the customer's thinking, uh, "Where, like, where, where are you taking me?" And again, you can lose right then and there because you're you're appearing that you're all over the place. So having those questions, the right questions in the right order is critical. And then this is the next piece that they're, to me, these two, three and four um, uh, layers of resistance are tethered together. If your questions are off and you're a bad listener, which is the step four, you're that level of trust that we're trying to build all along, it's weaving through. You've lost the trust because what happens as humans, guys, we have a six-second attention span. We take turns talking at each other. So while you're asking your question, now the, the client or the prospect is give or your boss is giving you feedback. You're thinking, well, when he shuts up or she shuts up, I'm going to say blah 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 blah. So we really do take turns talking at each other. Again, you've just you you've diminished trust. The the customers now they're they're going off on their own mental tangents they're not truly engaged in listening you've lost the sale so yeah. those two really they have to do a nice little dance though the you know the question listening and it was funny when i started my career you know 35 years ago uh, 40 years ago in insurance my regional one day, he said, guys, you have two ears and one mouth. You should be listening twice as much as you speak. And I have found really, really, we should be listening between 70 and 80% of the time. Because if I'm the one talking, I'm not understanding who my client is. So when I go to present my idea, it's off because I I wasn't fully engaged. And that's dangerous as well questions separately. or, or... I, a couple of comments on on the third step
0: with the exploratory part mm-hmm. that's so important I mean I we all get a lot of solicitations from other people wanting us to do business with them right and and it's the ones that I seem to get most often are people telling me here's what you need I'm like yeah how do you know what i need we haven't even had a conversation you know so there's no exploration of my needs and and that definitely is going to diminish any possibility of trust and then the second part and you said that these are tethered i love that image uh listening you know we need to when we're on the selling side we need to be interested not interesting that's a great that's the whole point. You know, I, again, I deal with a lot of real estate agents and when I have conversations with them, I'm thinking, I don't know why anybody ever does business with you. (laughs) Um, and yet it happens. So,
1: you know, I, I think sometimes in spite of ourselves, you can make a sale or whatever, but here's for me, I, I want, like my business, I want it to be a legacy business, right? Yeah. So the, the level of integrity, because eventually maybe my kids are going to take it over when I retire, I don't know, but they can't take something over if I'm beating it into the ground, right? Or yeah. that I'm not creating value long-term. And here's the other thing, most of my business, Sally, is generated through referrals because that, that like, no, trust and remember, I think you taught me that last yeah. piece, that remember- yeah. People refer to me because they go, oh, you need, oh, Connie Whitney. But not only do I get a referral, people get on and say to me, Sally told me whatever you tell me to do, I have to do. And I laugh and I go, well, that's a lovely compliment, but I don't know you. So I can't tell you anything until I get to know you. So let's have a conversation. And they giggle and they go, yep, she said you're a very good listener. And you know, I get these referrals that people are ready to buy before they meet me because I've proven myself over and over and again. So yes, I call them the one hit wonders. They'll have that client. The client is in desperate need to buy a house. You're the person showing the house. I'm stuck with you. You know my situation. Let me just continue. It's a short-term relationship. Everything I do, the business I built, even when I was doing investments, I lived off referrals. So I'm always playing the long game. Those people that you're describing, those behaviors, that's a short game. It's a one and done. I want to build a legacy. I want to build people that trust me, that send to me so that, oh, by the way, I know I can protect those clients because I will say to you, you don't need me, but you know who you need? My friend, Sally, you have a mindset issue. You don't have a sales issue. Talk to Sally, then you'll be ready for me. So that's the other thing. And I know you do the same thing. So that's the integrity piece. But if I don't understand who the client is, how dare I say, this is what you need. I don't know what you need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Love it. And what's the fifth layer?
1: So the fifth step is where you present your idea. Now, again, if you were not mindful of my time, you did not build trust by modifying your behavioral style and how you communicate with me, then you did not ask me the right questions. You certainly didn't listen to me. How do you know what what to present to me? Shame on you. So what I, but because I'm very good at it, when I get to the present stage, three things should happen. The client, literally, when you present your idea, it should be a direct hit. So when you go to the next step, which is really where the sixth step in my process, it's where you're asking for the business now. After you present, three things should happen before you even ask for the business. This is which at the end of your presentation, the client should be saying, where have you been my whole life? How fast can we get this going? You don't even have to ask for the business. It's a right fit. They know it. You know it. You're laughing, going, I know you're the perfect client for me. Move on, sign the contract, whatever whatever next steps are. Second thing that happens, and this happens frequently, I say to the client, that's not what you need. You don't need me. You came in thinking you need this for me. Actually, you need my membership, right, at, at $27, not my $2,000 program. So you, you become where the client thinks they need something, but again, you're an in integrity and honest, and then you say, really, really, this is what you need now. or You're not ready for me. And I say that a lot because a lot of people need the sallies of the world and get some mindset work, or they're working on marketing and messaging and websites, and they're so overwhelmed with that. How can you possibly start working on your sales conversation when you can't even focus on what I'm saying in this meeting with you? So oftentimes I'll say, am I a good fit for you? Yes, I agree. Is the timing right? No, it's not please continue that. Let's keep talking because I could give you some tips and ideas, but let's get that done in a month. And then in a month, we'll start working together. So again, they're eager to start. It's a perfect fit. You say, you're not ready for me. You need to meet so, or I hand off right to someone else that's better suited. Or the third one is, I'm not the right fit for you, period. Yeah. I, the business is not the business I want. And it's okay To not take all the business, even if people want to pay you, because here's what I found for my forty years doing this, guys: the person that you think, "Oh, I I need the money. I better just do this," they take up so much of your time. You end up losing energy. You end up losing money. It's if it's not a fit go where there is a fit, build your referral network and magic starts happening. That's how you build momentum. But if somebody is sucking the life out of you, you can't give the proper attention to your other clients and build that legacy business. So that's the five steps of buyer's resistance and you have to do them in order.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I can see that they each build on the
1: other. Yep, yeah. they're all all they're all it's a logical progression. You can't jump around and you can't skip a step.
0: Yeah. And I love the last thing that you said, you know, we, we want business. We don't want all business. And when we feel like, like you said, you know, gosh, I have to pay my bills. I need the money. I I better take this client. Um, That's coming from scarcity. And um, you know, that that typically doesn't lead to a good end because as you said, it's going to, it's going to draw your energy away from other things that are more building rather than, fearful that I better do this
1: because I'm afraid. It's funny, I had one uh, person who uh, came to one of my workshops, Sally, you've been through 90 minutes, right? So how much can you cover in 90 minutes? And I do talk about the five layers of buyer's resistance, but it's really at a 50,000 foot and I do try to give tips. And one gentleman, he emailed me after he goes, you know, you gave all the information away. Why do you think anybody's going to buy from you? And I thought, wow, I want (laughs) to over deliver. I want people to walk away saying my brain hurts. She gave me so much good information. information versus that scarcity of I'm only going to give them, if you want to work with me, I over deliver. And if you think that in 90 minutes, I could teach you everything that I've learned in 40 years, you're not my client. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I hear so
0: many people, well, just give them a little bit and, you know, save the good stuff for when they sign up and,
1: so yes, yes, yes. how much can you cover in 30 minutes or 90 minutes or an hour? You can't give away all the good stuff, no, you no. know, and it's funny. I was on a networking event the other day to support a friend and there were newer business owners and, she, and she opens it up. She says, what do you want to talk about? And the one woman said, I'm new and I want it the sales. And so she said, oh my God, it's so good that we have Connie on, right? Connie, do you mind. I said, come on, I'll help anybody I can. Well, in that 20 minutes, I, and again, I took notes as the woman was speaking, as soon as I realized it was sales. And I tried to give as much help to her in that 20 minutes. And it was funny, the other three people, they were like, wait, say that again. They were taking these copious <laughs> notes. Now did I feel like I was being, you, no, I thought, oh my gosh, if I can help these people and I'm helping my friends, what, a what, and I, and she thanked me and I said, it's always my pleasure. You can't hold anything back because again, in 20 minutes, I'm not giving you 40 years of of my experience, but I gave that person enough to take that next baby step. And maybe 10 steps from now, she will hire me. I don't know. Right. So that's the lack. Don't have a scarcity mentality, mentality. Really go with, I want to attract the right people who are going to love me and really, really learn from me. And I can help people. In my case, the return on the investment becomes exponential. And that's who I want in my orbit, right? Where I can help them turn, you know, a, a thousand, two thousand investment into twenty, fifty, hundred thousand a hundred thousand dollars. That's who I want in my orbit. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and that leads to my last question to you. Mm-hmm. So I I do a lot of consulting with people on mindset, skill set, get off your asset, you know, that's my magic MSG in coaching because it encapsulates a lot of important concepts. So, I want to ask you in your business, in your success, in your life, what has been a very important coaching concept that has really helped you?
1: Um, park your ego, because when to- you're coaching, I think that again, listening for me, it's always it always goes back to those listenings and the questions. And it's funny, um, we started right before, and you asked me a question. I said, "Wait, Sal." You know, me in sales, I have three questions I have to ask. Or wait, I want clarity. Let me ask you a few questions, and then I'll be able to answer that more fully. It's the same thing when you're coaching. I think you have to come from a place of love, no judgment, which I know is hard because we're judgy people. We are. Um, and honor that person, but you have to listen and observe and understand them. And I think you got to park your ego because here's the other thing, and I will share my ideas with my clients that I coach. And I'll always say to them, does that make sense? how did that land for you? Did I confuse you? And then we engage in a conversation where usually there's more questions, but I have to park my ego to think, well, I just gave you the best answer ever. What's wrong with you? Are you stupid? Right. We can't come from that. I'm great. Look at me. I'm the Messiah, right? I come from a place of of being humble saying, did that land for you? Or do I need to say it a different way? Because we do communicate differently.
0: Exactly. That goes back to uh, your steps in there, you know, the communication styles and and different parts of our brains are engaged. You know, there's one part that speaks and then there's another part that hears and listens and interprets. And of course, we know that that's all um, influenced by our individual perspective and the filters that we have on life. Correct. Everybody's different. And so that's such an important thing that you brought out that, you know, just to, as you said, park your ego, confirm that they heard the message that you are conveying to them.
1: Yeah. And and remember, you're asking someone to change a behavior, to get better at X skill, whatever that might be. Change is hard. So that's why I said you really need to come from that love and compassion, because change is hard for all of us. So I think that's another thing, watch your expectations and what you're projecting to your client as well. And I just want to comment on something you said, that subconscious conversation is happening all the time. So really as a coach, you have to watch your own judgment, but more importantly, we have our own filters and biases um, because men and women, right? DNA, we have beliefs from 13 generations. So there's a Lot, you know that right right all of the research that has been done so 80% to 90% of our conversation is subconscious so you're projecting a lot of times and we have to be mindful of that subconscious conversation at all times i'm not saying this is easy but with practice we can master these things and 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 i feel i like, oh that's my clients that's my job yeah
0: and one more thing that when you said practice, it, it goes back to your first step about time and being mindful of other people's times. I yes. mean, we don't want to show up for the appointment with the, the prospect. And that's when we're practicing, right? <laughs> uh, Correct. You want to be well practiced so that when you get there, and i've heard a lot of people say oh i don't want to practice it's a, it doesn't feel genuine it doesn't feel real well it feels professional <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's an important thing and we want to be authentically professional right
1: yeah and, so and I, I i'll practice tell
0: you. on your clients and customers <laughs> no. practice before you get there
1: yeah and and do we have time for me to just make one more comment on absolutely. that absolutely yeah go ahead should. So practice really is critical. So through my career, I've talked to myself in the mirror. What is my body language doing? I remember early on, I was being trained at Prudential, it happened to be, and they videotaped us. And I remember the young man that was training with me and I watched myself on video. Now this is in the eighties, guys. So video wasn't a thing like we have it on our phone now. And I remember watching the video horrified because Sally, she could see me. I move a lot. I have a lot of body language. I share a lot of energy when I communicate. And But back then it was like I had ants in my pants. It was horrifying. And I said to the young man, do I do that all the time? He goes, have you met you? (laughs) That was it for me. I would look in the mirror and practice and watch my body language. And how did I, I I thought people must perceiving me as a doofus, like, oh my goodness. So again, looking in the mirror, practicing and as a coach, I often role play. I role play with my kids because you you have to practice in a safe environment where there's no judgment, but recommendations, ooh, that was great. Do this now. Try that. You said that. Try it this way. You want to do it in a safe place. And I remember when my kids growing up, they had to do a presentation and they would have their index cards. They would read from the index cards and they'd look up and look down again. Oh, no, no, not on my watch. You need to have this memorized, watch your body language, make eye contact. And the teachers would say to me, your kids are really good at public speaking. And I'd laugh and I'd go, did they tell you how many hours I made them practice with me? They hate me. I'm a horrible mother. They think I'm the meanest thing ever. And they would get A's. And now my older son, He goes, my, I love public speaking. Who says that? So again, practice, practice, practice in a safe environment or in the mirror and be very critical of yourself like I was because that you, you want to be in front of the client and shine. I'm not saying that you're not going to get, look, I've been doing this 40 years. Do you think I came out of the womb doing this? You know, I mean, I had a lot of failures before I, you know, found the magic of, of what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I love it.
0: Well, Connie, thank you so much for being with us here today. I Um, certainly appreciate your time. And as always, I love our conversation.
1: I'm so excited that you had me on, Sal. Thank you. And I, I really do hope the listeners, you know, got value out of it.
0: Yes, I'm absolutely sure they do. And thank you to all of our listeners. Make sure you join us again next week for the High Frequency Mindset
1: Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.